I'll start with a joke because it is a little bit of a heavier sermon today. Um, they say the quickest man, the quickest way to kill a man is to go straight for the artery in the neck. The slowest way to kill a man I would have, in the old days, I would have said is to get married to them. <laughs> but it's actually, I, I figured a new one that I'm dealing with right now. It's having kids. Oh, I'm so tired. I know last week, I think I told you guys I was so tired because my youngest is just not sleeping at night and he's still not sleeping at night. I'm so tired. So please pray for me. It's been a long, long day. So let's talk about suffering. <laughs> Suffering, let's define it. Suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. Or in other words, being a parent (laughs) in my head at the moment. No one likes going through suffering. No one wakes up in the morning and thinks to themselves, you know what, today I'm going to outdo myself. I'm going to really suffer today. I'm going to really put myself out there. I'm going to really be burdened. I'm going to really do it tough today. No one does that. No one signs up for suffering. And yet, suffering is such a big part of our lives. One example of suffering is when uh, a woman gets pregnant. And I've watched my wife uh, be pregnant multiple times. And it's pretty bad. Like, it's pretty bad. Like, I know I can't really talk sort of on her behalf because, you know, I don't, I don't really know. But, you know, watching my wife go through it, it's pretty tough, right? Like, like morning sickness. So morning sickness is this interesting thing where you, you wake up and you feel nauseous and, and you want to throw up and sometimes you do throw up and there's no other reason for it except the fact that you're pregnant. Like, that's it. Like, you know, we've got poor Jen you know, who's right in the middle of her pregnancy and gone through that and got all the mums here that went through that. You know, during pregnancy, your body swells, your hands and your feet swell so, you, so your shoes don't fit. I found that amazing, right? Like all the mums are like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like I thought I knew. You know, like if you eat noodles at night and you wake up the next morning, you swell, right? You swell, right? But it's a different level, Right? But not only, not only is the baby growing inside of you, but you are growing too. Right? We had a friend who just had a baby and uh, she put on 22 kilos through pregnancy. 22 kilos. That's taking, imagine living your life with a 20 kilo sack of rice. You know, it affects the way you move. It affects the way you walk. It affects the way you sleep. It affects everything. Right? And that's even, that's not even, we're not even talking about labor yet, right? The whole labor process. Um, I went to a boys high school and they tried to explain labor to us, high school boys, and they're always interesting classes. Pretty much the best explanation that our teacher got to of describing childbirth to a bunch of year nine boys was, imagine boys doing a poo the size of a bowling ball. And all the boys were like, oh, that's so gross. Oh, that's so gross. As if, you know, you can't really understand. And then he goes, okay, imagine trying to squeeze a tennis ball out of your nostril. 
And all the boys are like, uh, I reckon I could do that. Uh, stupid boys, uh, stupid boys school, uh, you know. And then obviously during lunchtime, someone went and, you know, tried to shove it, you know, up a nostril. Suffering, pregnancy, just another word for it, pregnancy just seems to be suffering. You know, like even here we've got all these mums and you hear their stories um, about, you know, pregnancy and, and childbirth and it's not a sort of glorious, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty meek. But here's the thing about pregnancy, is after nine months of being pregnant and after the crazy labor process, once the baby comes, in some sense, all of that suffering that you went through, all of that suffering you went through, through the pregnancy and through labor, suddenly becomes justified, becomes explainable. See, the thing about suffering that we need to understand is that suffering doesn't exist on its own. But God tells us within this world as believers that we will go through suffering. But he also tells us that there is a bigger picture to just suffering. It's not just you will suffer, but suffering exists in the context of a big picture. And that's what we want to see today. Now, we're continuing our journey uh, in the book of Isaiah. And we're going to look at a really big chunk, uh, chapters 40 to 55. And during these chapters, we see a new character that is introduced called the servant. And there are four songs that are written about this servant um, in chapters 40 to 55. We're not going to go through all of them. But pretty much this servant was God's agent, was God's messenger to do God's work in the world. That's who this servant is. So the, fir the, the, the first song is written in Isaiah 42, tells us that the servant is to bring justice to the nations. The second song, which is found in Isaiah 49, defines the servant's mission to raise up the tribe of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. The third song in Isaiah chapter 50 tells us that the servant has a tongue to teach and encourage the people. And the fourth song is the song we're going to look at today in Isaiah 52 and 53, looks at the servant, but not as a servant, but as a suffering servant. So we're going to go through Isaiah 52 and 53. We're going to ask ourselves some questions as we go through this. The first question is this, uh, what do we know about the suffering servant? What do we know? And we start in uh, chapter 52, verse 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Chapter 53, verse 2 and 3, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of, a dry, out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. The description that we get of the, of the servant is very extreme. Appearance that was so disfigured 
that was beyond human form. No beauty, no majesty to attract us to him was despised and rejected by mankind. These are all qualities that we would not consider very good, very low, very unattractive and undesirable qualities. So that's what we learn about the servant. Second question we ask is, what was the purpose of the suffering? We see this in verse 4 and 5. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And this is when we start to see the bigger picture of suffering, of why the suffering occurred. Uh, The servant didn't suffer just for the sake of suffering, but he had a clear purpose. It was suffering that came about to take the punishment that belonged to the world because of their sin. The suffering was because of man's transgressions and sins, not actually his own. So the third question, what caused the suffering? Isaiah 53, chapter 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah makes it very clear that the man's that it is man's suffering, it is man's iniquities, man's sin that the servant was punished for and went through suffering. What did man do? What did we do? We went astray. God created man for God's purposes to be in relationship with God. And what we did was we said, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that creation. I don't want to do that purpose. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And we became our own gods. God created us to be in relationship with him, to live in harmony with him, to live under his rule and reign. And yet we rejected God, the creator, and we chose to live our own way. And because of this, because of this disobedience, because of this sin, we see that punishment must be given out. But it doesn't come to man, but actually goes to the servant. And that's the cause of his suffering. Fourth question, what's the result of the suffering? Isaiah 53, 7 to 9. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The servant, even though he did not sin, nor have sin in his life, took the punishment for the sin. And what we know is this, he took it willingly. He chose to suffer. It says he didn't open his mouth. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The final question is, what is the glory of suffering? And we see this in verse 10 to 12. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. 
After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So we see that even though that this servant went through ridiculous suffering, ultimately death, it was all part of God's plan. And actually God will glorify him. God will raise him from the dead, take his place in eternity with God the Father. God will honor him and God will give him the acknowledgement and exalt him. So it wasn't just about you need to suffer. You need to take the consequences for man's sins, but actually it was all a part of God's plan. And God actually then takes the servant and lifts him up. Now, one of the big questions in these, uh, in these passages is the question is, who is the servant? Who's the Bible talking about? Who is this servant that they're talking about? Uh, who is the servant that God will use to save his people? Now, some scholars would argue that the servant is, is, uh, is Israel. Some scholars would argue that the servant is Isaiah. But the overwhelming response is that the servant is Jesus. And yes, the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. But this was the prophecy that was foretold by Isaiah, that the servant would come, suffer, and bear the sins of the world, die, taking the punishment of the world's sin. And in the New Testament, when Jesus does come, he does exactly that. He, does, he fulfills the prophecies that were given 700 years before his birth. Jesus had to suffer. You can understand, Jesus was God. And for, for him to come to earth, to him to come down to this planet was just the beginning of his suffering. He would re be rejected by his own people, ultimately beaten, and finally crucified on the cross. Yet he was without sin, and that's the great irony. He would die a sinner's death, and yet he was without sin. But his death was not the end, but the beginning, as three days later he was raised from the dead. Conquered death. 40 days after that, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. This was God's plan from all along. This was the glory that was waiting for Jesus who was obedient to God the Father. It wasn't just about the suffering. It wasn't just about the, the pain, but it was within the context of God's plan. The suffering achieves something that no man could ever achieve. The forgiveness of sins, the recon uh, reconciliation with the Father, and our path home to heaven for eternity. The suffering itself was a necessary part of the process. Now what's amazing is this is what we call the story of Jesus, the gospel. Now, Think about this, 700 years ago. This is 700 years before the life of Jesus. These are, this is Isaiah prophesying, saying this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And, and what we see is the life of Jesus, he comes and fulfills all the prophecy, and then he goes into heaven, and we see that the, the influence and the impact and the power of the gospel continues to flow on through all of history. But while I was studying this, I found this really interesting story 
Uh, in, in my journey group at the moment, uh, we're doing a devotion in Acts and, and, and just happened to be on this week, we were reading through Acts and I, and I came across this story, which I thought was really interesting to share this with you. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 38. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Philip, one of the disciples, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of, the, of all the treasury, so the money, of the Kandrake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the scripture. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? The same question that we were asking. Who is this servant? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travel along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in my way of being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Great story. Great story in Acts. Right? The impact and the influence of the gospel near immediately. See, here's the power of the gospel. Not only was it prophesied 700 years before, not only was it fulfilled by Jesus, but even after his death and resurrection, the gospel continues to save those who were lost. The suffering servant, the suffering servant Jesus did it for you, did it for the greater picture. Have you ever considered why there is so much suffering in this world? Have you ever considered why you are going through suffering? The one constant in all mankind is that we all suffer. There are two types of suffering, right? There's external suffering, suffering that happens that are outside of, you know, things that are out of your control. Weather, natural disasters, you know, um, wars. You know, these are things that they're not in, in your control. These are things that happen outside. But there's also suffering that happens inside, things that happen to you, physical illness, mental illness, anxiety, you know, relationship breakdown, family issues, right? Some of the suffering was caused by someone else and you're suffering. Some of the suffering, you made decisions and you're suffering yourself. But have you ever thought about why, why do I have to go through this suffering? Like, why do I have to live this life full of so much suffering? Like if there's no bigger picture or purpose, then for suffering, what's the point? Right, what's the point? Like if life is, right, if life is, I am born 
I live and then I die. Right? If that's what life is, right? What's the point of suffering? What's the point of living this life if at the end of the day that you have no, like there is no other belief except the fact that you physically will die and end up in the ground? So when I talk to a lot of non-Christians and, and, and they, they ask, you know, Steve, you know, I don't really believe in God. I don't, I don't really believe in God. I'm like, that's cool, but let me ask you a question. What happens when you die? What happens when you die? Like, I'm not trying to convince you. I just want to ask. What happens when you die? And for a lot of people, their answer is, well, when you die, you die. That's it. You get buried. You get cremated. And that's it. And then my follow-up question is another very simple question. If that's the case, what's the point of life? If there is nothing more to life than, than, than just being born and living and then dying, what's the point of doing what we do? What's the point of, of trying to live a good life? What's the point of trying to achieve anything? What's the point of trying to be successful? What's the point of having good friends and family? What's the point of trying to be moral if at the end of our life, that's the end of our existence? And in the same way, if the end of our life is the end of our existence, what's the point of suffering? You suffer your whole life just to end up in a box? Doesn't make sense. See, for me, if when we die, that's it. If, if, if that really is it, then I think you, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I don't know why I'm, I'm suffering. Like, I don't know why I'm working hard. I don't know why I'm trying to maintain friendships and, and relationships if at the end of the day, we're all just going to end up in a box. What's the point? It's like going through pregnancy, right? And at the end of it, there's no baby. You just, you just stop being pregnant and you just go back to life, right? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? And you know what's crazy? I don't think I have a hard life, right? I know I'm, I'm complaining that I'm not getting any sleep and that's just me complaining, so I do apologize for that. But you know what? There are people in this world that their level of suffering is something beyond even what we can imagine. And it's like, if they're just going to die and be buried and that is the end of their existence, What's the point? What's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life if you're just going to end up in a box? There has to be more. There has to be more to life to make sense of what we go through. There has to be more. For if you tell me there is nothing more, that to me, that's a waste. Everything we see is a waste. If all we know is what we see, if all we know is what we know about this world, and it's like live, get born, live, die. If that's it, in my head, there is no point of living this life. Why suffer? Why try? Because at the end of the day, you end up in the same place. 
See, without, with, with, without God, we can't find meaning and purpose. That's where God fits in the bigger picture. If you want to know why you exist, if you want to know your purpose and meaning, you need to know God. It's only through God that you can have meaning or purpose because one, God created you. Where did you come from? Oh, well, you know, my dad and my mom. No, no, no. I don't want to know that story. But who created you? And if God is not in that equation, then it's actually really hard to make sense of our existence. God says, I'm the one who created you so you can be in relationship with me. Not just in this life, but for eternity. And we get to live through this life because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Scripture says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, if you don't know God, then you don't have the bigger picture of suffering. If you don't know God, all you have is suffering. And that sucks. That's really hard. That's hard to swallow. How do you deal with physical illness? Like, you know, there are people in our community. They are ill. Like, they are really ill. There are people in our hospitals that are ill. How do you explain to them? hey, I'm really sorry that you're really sick. And then that's it. Like, there's, no, like, there's no hope after that, you know? I'm sorry that your life, you just rolled the dice and you just rolled a one. Other people rolled threes and fours, you know? It's just, you know, luck of the draw. What's the point? You know? How do you explain that to them? How do you explain why you need to keep fighting without the idea of God and eternity? We can't. To understand purpose and meaning in our lives and to understand suffering, you need to know God. Because without God, you cannot make sense of it. It's amazing that in Isaiah, 700 years, we can, we can read the gospel so black and white. You know, We can understand the gospel that we, like all sheep, have gone astray. We have sinned. We have sinned. We, because of our sin, we deserve the punishment. And yet, because of God's great love for us, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come on earth and to be the suffering servant, to die on the cross so that we could have peace with God and be healed by his wounds. Friends, I don't know what you're going through, 
And I don't know your circumstance and your situation, but the one constant is this. You're suffering. Everyone's suffering. Everyone's suffering through something. Whether it be them, whether it be someone around them, everyone's suffering. How do you make sense of that? How do you find hope in that? How do you find energy to fight through? It can only be found through God. So the question tonight is this. What is your response to the gospel? What is your response to the suffering servant who came and died so that you could have life? Don't you want meaning in your life? You know, don't, don't you want to live your life not just to end up in a box? Like, don't you want to know why you exist? Especially with suffering. Don't you want to know the bigger picture of why you need to keep going? In New South Wales, um, this week, they introduced uh, a new bill into Parliament, which is around, uh, I can't remember the exact wording for it, I apologise for that, but it's around euthanasia, which is, I think they call it medically assisted termination. So in layman's terms, it's the ability to decide to die. Pretty much, right? And it's being, you know, it, it's in it's in the government at the moment, and there is strong argument as, as, and you know, there are massive ethical questions around this, you know, like, and it's not just like, you know, like I just wake up one morning and you know I don't feel very great, so I, I'm just going to go and die, you know, like we're, we're talking about people who with terminal illness, you know, we're talking about people in palliative care, end of life care. We're talking about people that are in so much pain, so much pain, that even the idea of ending life, it's not even ending life, it's about ending pain, right? And, and, and the, the, the government and, and all these bodies are arguing around this idea is, is it ethical to give people that choice? Now, I, I'm not asking you for your opinion. I'm not going to give you my opinion on that. But the crazy thing about this argument around suffering, because it's all around suffering, right? It actually goes back to the question of, is there a God? And as much as they don't want to make the argument a religious argument, it all comes back to that. And you know what? If there's no God, who cares? If there's no God... If there's no God, if there's no life after death, right? Legit, if it doesn't matter what you do in your life, that you just end up in a box, right? So be it. Make a decision. You don't want to live in this life? Great, fine. You know? And that's the difference. The difference is, do you know God? Do you recognize that there's a God? And do you recognize the greater picture of your life? 
friends, to live without knowing God, to live without God in your life. And you have no context and framework to live, to suffer of what you're going through. But it's only when we have God, it's only when we know God that gives you purpose, it gives you meaning, it gives you a reason to live. And it teaches us that this life is not it. This is not the end of our lives and our existence. But this, depending on the choices that we make in this life, will lead into eternity. And hopefully, eternity with God. Don't you want to have purpose around your suffering? Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to take the sin, the punishment of sin for you and I so that we could have more than what we have now, eternal life. Put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. And you will not perish, but you too can have eternal life with God the Father. And if you're sure about that, then whatever happens in this life, whatever suffering you're going through in this life, will be okay. Because you know it's not the end. Let's pray.